Good morning, everyone. It's about time to begin our morning service. Before we do, we've got a couple, three things to go over. I'd like to say Happy Father's Day to each and every dad that's here. Hope your day will be satisfying. Friday evening at 7 o'clock, there were several of us here at the building. We witnessed Ken and his Ken Dempsey and his daughter Lucy were baptized into Christ. I don't see him this morning. You're on the wrong side. You're supposed to be back there. <laughs> but stop it. Stop and uh, give them a hug and uh, a word of encouragement. We're very good. It was a really a good evening. Also good to have Richard and Samantha Moore. This is Sam. Sam or Samuel, as his dad said, parents here with us this morning and also his fiance. In our meeting last week, it's the first time that I knew that Sam was engaged and he told us that his parents were coming up and his fiance. And I looked at him and I said, fiance? He said, yes, I'm engaged. I said, ring and all? He said, oh, yes. <laughs> she showed it to me this morning. It's there. And one last thing, uh, got news this morning that Vicki Bowen had a tough day yesterday, fell a couple times. Keep her in your prayers as we go forward. I'd like to read Psalms 42, verses 1 and 2 before we begin. As a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are thankful for this day of life that you've given us, for your son who came and died for each of us. We're thankful for the beautiful morning, for the sunshine, for the opportunity that we have to come and worship you. We're thankful for you as our Father. We ask your blessings on all the dads that are here this morning. Give us all strength that we can teach our children to love you. Go with us as we go through this service. Be with John as he leads us into singing and Chris as he presents us with a lesson and as we partake of the emblems which represents your son's body and blood as he died on the cross. We ask your blessings on our sick, especially be with Vicki this morning, watch over her and our others. Be with our shut-ins. Forgive us, Father, when we do wrong. Give us strength. In thy son's name we pray and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First time this morning, number 362, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. <clears throat> joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God. 
Please be seated. Next hymn this morning, number 810, Jesus Loves Me. <clears throat> Jesus Loves Me. And after this hymn, Brother Jackson Stevens will have our scripture reading and prayer. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day. and Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come here and praise you, Lord. Thank you for being the ultimate father to us and showing us how to be. Thank you for giving us all the great fathers in our lives who are great inspirations. Please be with us throughout the rest of the week and throughout the rest of the day, Lord. Please let our worship to you be great in your eyes and let it please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning will come from Acts 4, 1 through 7. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to, came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem 
with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Next hymn this morning, number 495, or the depth and the riches, 495. <clears throat> we'll sing this hymn before we partake of the Lord's Supper with Brother James Ward. We'll be in charge of that. Oh, the depth and the riches of God's saving grace, falling down from the cross for thee. There the therefore lies his by the Savior was paid in your suffering of First of all, I'd like to also uh, say Happy Father's Day uh, to everyone, to all the fathers in the room this morning. Being a father's not easy. There's a lot of roles, a lot of steps we have to take, examples that we have to set forth for our children. We know as fathers that we're not perfect, even though my mother thinks I should be. It's not always the case. We make mistakes, we make our errors as well. One of my favorite father stories in the Bible comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 22. 
It's about Abraham. I'd like to read it from verse 1 through 14. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything on him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. God provided a ram for Abraham. God provided us a lamb, Jesus Christ, Lamb of God, who saves us from a certain death of eternity in hell. We have these emblems, the bread which represents Jesus' body, the fruit of vine which represents Jesus' blood, to help us remember the sacrifice that Jesus gave for our behalf so that he takes the pain and suffering that we so rightfully deserve. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we come to you this day thanking you so much for the gift of your son, for his sacrifice, Father. As we partake the bread, let us empty our minds and think back upon the cross, the pain and suffering that Jesus went through on our behalf that we wouldn't have to suffer. Thank you so much for his love. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. pray again. Father, we come to you again thanking you so much for 
the blood that was shed on the cross, Father, for the cleansing of our sins, Father, as we partake this fruit of the vine, which represents that blood, be with us. Thank you for Jesus, through his name that we pray. Amen. That concludes the Lord's Supper. We also are commanded to give back a portion which we have been so richly blessed. There's two containers in the back. If you haven't had the opportunity to do that, you may do that as we leave uh, service this morning. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, you have so richly blessed us for the country in which we live, Father, for the items in which we have, our homes, our jobs. We have so much more than what the other rest of the world has, Father. I pray that we never take those things for granted. Father, as we give a portion back, uh, we pray that it will help further your kingdom, not only in this community, but throughout the whole world, Father. Please be with the elders as they disperse the funds as they see fit. It's through your son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again and we'll sing hymn number 527, Paradise Valley. 527. So at this time the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. <clears throat> As I travel through life with a troublous time, I look forward to the cheer on the way to my
Invitation hymn for this morning, number 701. Tomorrow may be too late for the Christian. Good morning. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Um, it's on one thing, and everything else just kind of seems like it fades into the backgrounds. I think that's probably true for, for all of us. We all have those experiences where... Maybe you were focusing on one child while the other one set the house ablaze, <laughs> right? Uh, or maybe you were focusing on one problem when another problem arises and you weren't aware of, of the secondary problem, right? Maybe you were looking at one of those pictures where if you see, uh, you, you look at it originally and you see a, a man and you look at it, you keep looking at it and you keep focusing and you think, I just can't see it. I don't see anything else in there. But somebody else will come by and say, well, here's, here's a woman's figure and here's her nose. And Oh, okay, now I can see it. You're, we're familiar with this idea of if you focus on one thing, it's, it's awfully hard to see something else. Uh, I'm calling this series Lost and Found. Because <coughs> I think there were some things that we focused on during uh, quarantine, during COVID, that um, maybe we shouldn't have focused on. Uh, and, and so we lost some things, but I think we've also found quite a bit of things, haven't we? Some of these things that we should have been focusing on, we were too busy focusing on something else, and we, we lost sight of what was really important. Uh, on the opposite side of that, there's been, I think you've seen it as well as, I know I certainly have, a spiritual awakening uh, of our friends and our neighbors, and people are much more interested in spiritual things now than they were three years ago. And so there are some things that have been found. So today on Father's Day, I thought this is something that we probably need to talk about because it's something we as dads need to be aware of as well. Uh, we're going to spend our, most of our time today in Acts chapter 3 and 4. But this is, this is the, the thought that I want us to start this series, this Lost and Found. And we'll be talking about some things that we've lost and some things that we've found throughout this last couple of years. It's been a series that I've been thinking about for a long time, since about halfway through COVID. I thought, man, we've, we're focusing on some wrong things, and we've lost some other things. So, <coughs> sorry, I've been trying to work my way through this series in a helpful way for all of us. But I think one of the first things we need to remember uh, as dads and as members of the church is God doesn't need chameleons. He doesn't need chameleons. He doesn't need people that blend in. It's awfully easy to blend in, isn't it? Um, as, as dads, we 
need to stand out. We need to be leading our families in ways that are countercultural because our culture no longer helps us lead our families in godly ways, does it? Um, that stopped decades ago, and it's just, it's just continuing to get worse. We're swimming upstream now, and so you, by necessity, dads, we stand out and we force our families to stand out because we teach them biblical morals, biblical values. We teach them what's right and what's wrong. So as our children grow up and as we grow up in our marriage, as we mature in our marriage, we act, think, and look different than the world, don't we? We need to. Um, because the world no longer follows, has never really followed God. But certainly in 21st century American Christianity, we're no longer helped out by our culture in this way. And so we are countercultural, but as Christians, you have to be, we have to be countercultural as well. We swim upstream, we think, look, act differently. We cannot blend in with our surroundings. Uh, if you've ever been to a middle school dance, what did you want to do? You wanted to blend in, right? You wished that day that you had the, the ability that the chameleon has to just kind of soak back into the, the walls, right? You didn't want anybody to notice you. You didn't want anybody to, to see you. <coughs> you wanted to be the exact same as everyone else, right? That's middle school. That's middle school for... For 99% of us, I think, is you just wanted to blend in, right? We can't blend in as Christians. We don't blend into this society. Um, it's different. We are different. We stand out. Last night, Kelly and the kids took me to, to Casa Grande, and uh, we're in a booth, right? I love Casa Grande. We're in a booth, uh, and Ethan is beating on Carlos's face <laughs> on the, the back of the booth. And uh, I feel like everybody's looking at us, right? Because if you've got a kid that's in a quiet place, even a restaurant, Casa Grande's not quiet, but even in a place that's loud like that, you start thinking, I feel like everybody's looking at us, right? Stop, stop hitting Carlos, right? Because it's made a lot of noise, and the poor people that sat behind us, they thought, you're drawing attention to us. Your life as a Christian draws attention to you because you stand out. You're different. We don't blend in. We stand out just by who we are, how we think, and what we do. We stand out. If you've ever walked into a crowd late, uh, maybe you've been to some of those church buildings that have the, the entrance doors at the front of their auditorium, and you walk in about three minutes late, and the guys doing announcements are singing. You walk in, oops, <laughs> everybody's looking at me, right? You're standing out. Maybe you walked into a movie theater or a crowd or something like that and you're just a little bit too late for what's going on and everybody's eyes pivot towards you. That's really uncomfortable, right? We don't, I don't think any of us like that. Um, I've talked to the extroverted extroverts among us. And I don't think anybody likes that. As Christians, we stand out. It's who we are. We've got to. It's a necessity. We cannot blend into the culture in our community around us. It's too dangerous. It's not what God's called us to do. He's called us to stand out. He's called us to be different, right? How does Peter put it? He says we're aliens and strangers. Right? He's not talking like aliens, like Martians. He's talking about people who are not from this place. Our citizenship isn't here. That's what Paul's going to say in Philippians, right? And so you don't act like people that are here. 
we stand out. We're countercultural. We're God cultural, right? We abide by His values, His morals. And so just by who we are, we stand out. And we should. When we were in Scotland, we, we went to the mall. That is an evangelism technique. <laughs> yeah, we spent most of the time door, uh, letterboxing. So we'd spent uh, most of our week putting uh, invitations for the gospel meeting inside um, the letterboxes indoors, like we had in the 50s here in the States. They still got them there. <coughs> and so that their post is delivered um, through these slots. And so it's, it's, you're able to send in uh, invitations to whatever through those slots. So we spent most of our time doing that. But on one of our last days there, we, we went to the mall. And, uh, the goal there was just to drum up conversations with people who don't know Christ. And we thought, well, how are we going to do that? And he said, they'll know you're an American, and you'll, they'll just come talk to you. It sounds crazy, right? I think he's like, no, there's no way. It happens. Talk to our group. It happened. Ten times out of ten, they can tell you're an American. I don't know. It, they say it's the way we walk. I don't know how we walk differently than everyone else. I, I, I've heard this everywhere we've gone. Um, like, you go to, we've been to Africa a couple times. You go to Africa and you think, well, yeah, you can tell them. It's, you know, my skin's a different color. Of course, you, you can tell me uh, away from everyone else. Uh, you go to El Salvador, Central America, the same thing. I'm the only guy speaking English. And so, I, obviously, I stand up. But I think in Scotland, you wouldn't stand out that we would kind of blend in with everyone else and could kind of pass for a Scot. You can't. We're Americans. We stand out. It's the way we dress, the way we walk, the way we sit even. We were sitting on, some of our group was sitting on benches, and a Scot would walk over to them and be like, what are you doing here? <laughs> and he gave us an opportunity to talk about Jesus and our work that we were doing with the, with the church there. And it was good. But we stood, we stood out. They noticed us. Has anybody ever noticed that you're a Christian? Have they ever noticed that your life's different? That you value different things, that you spend your time and your money in ways that they don't. We should. We should stand out. We're different. Flip over to Acts chapter 4. I want to show you a couple of verses, and then we'll get into um, our text in Acts 3 and 4. But toward the end of Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, <coughs> something really interesting happens in these verses. Acts chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 29. So, in the verses that, uh, that, J, uh, that Jackson read for you this morning in Acts 4, 1 through 7, you find uh, the setup for this scene. It really starts in Acts 3, I suppose, when Peter and John are walking to the temple and they find a guy who's paralyzed. He's been that way for 40 years. And he's, he's wanting money. Right? He's begging. Uh, and so he grabs Peter's hand and he asks him for money. And Peter says, Well, I don't, I don't have any money, but what I do have you, but, I, but what I do have, I give to you. And so he healed him in the name of Jesus, right? This lights the Pharisees and, and the, the high priest and that whole Jewish leadership on fire. They hate this. Here's this Jesus. His name, again, has come back up. We killed him, but his name just refuses to die, and his followers are still here, and they're still talking about him. What are we going to do? And they think, well, what can we do? The man really is healed. We all know him. 
It's not like this is some guy they brought in that we're unaware of. We, we know this guy. We've seen him here for the last four years. He's been sitting there at this gate uh, of the temple begging, and now he's walking around. This is a legitimate miracle. What are we going to do? And so they bring in Peter and John, and they say, stop this talking about Jesus. Quit it. And Peter and John say, well, we're going to let you decide. Should we obey God or should we obey a man? You figured that one out. We're going to go with God. Um, and they send them away after again saying, stop talking about Jesus. And so Peter and John go to the apostles in Jerusalem who have now grown by about 5,000 people. The church in Jerusalem is thriving, thriving under this persecution. <coughs> they make their way to the disciples in Jerusalem and they tell them what's happened. Uh, and this is one of the things that they say. We'll, we'll dive more deeper into this text uh, in just a second, but we need to see this, this first bit first. Acts 4, 29. This is the disciples speaking. He says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They pray to God for boldness. What's so interesting to me is what they don't pray for. They don't pray for a cease of the persecution. They don't pray for easy lives. They don't pray for safety. What do they pray for? Boldness in the midst of this persecution. It's funny what you focus on, isn't it? If you focus on boldness, guess what you see? Guess what you have? Boldness. You focus on fear, guess what you have? Fear, right? These two things breed. If you focus on fear, guess what you get? Fear. You focus on boldness, guess what you get? Boldness. These guys are praying to God for boldness. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. Excuse me, Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. These aren't the only apostles who are going to pray for boldness. Ephesians chapter 6. We're coming back to Acts 3 and 4. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19. Right after he's talked about the, um, the armor that you put on as a Christian and the benefits that that armor has. You have protection. Did you know that? You have protection from Satan and all of his strikes against you. He talks about that here in Ephesians 6. But after he gets done... Uh, with that bit of, the, uh, uh, of his thoughts to the Ephesian congregation, he starts talking about himself. Listen to what he says in verse 19. He's asking for them to pray. And he says, also pray for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth, there's our word again, opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. This, is Paul a stranger to persecution? No. Paul's maybe the most acquainted man with persecution in the first century. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 12, he goes through the laundry list of things that he has suffered for the cause of Jesus. And it's, it's pretty lengthy. And it's pretty big. Pretty, pretty deep. Um, Paul's been beaten several times with, with rods. Uh, he, he's been stoned. Right? He's been shipwrecked. He's been imprisoned. He's had people in the church and out of the church try to hurt him. 
either by their words or, their, or by their actions. And on top of that, he says he's got the constant concern for all the churches. And so he is no stranger to being in pain and being in persecution. But what's he pray for? He doesn't pray for a cease of the pain. He doesn't pray for the persecution to stop. He prays for boldness in the midst of the persecution. Dads and everyone else in the auditorium, (laughs) we live in a culture that would have you to blend in. And we can't. We can't. We have to stand out because we are different. Flip back over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Starting in verse 13. This is, this is Jesus' take on, on us and our, <coughs> and our goals here. <coughs> His goals for us here. Matthew five thirteen. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that everyone may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. He says, you stand out like a city on a hill. You know how far you can see Jerusalem at night? Because it's the highest elevation in the area. So if you were to look up toward Jerusalem at night, and you were within seeing distance of it, you could see Jerusalem. Can the people that are closest to you in your life see Christ in you? Are you blending in? Can your co-workers and the people that know your family well, can they see Christ in your family because of the way that you're leading it, dads? I think, I think certainly for some of us they can. For some of the other of us, we struggle, right? It's hard. Because our innate human desire, I think, is to blend in. But he says, as Christians, you've been reborn. You've been remade. You're a new creation now. And your goal is to stand out. So you've got different agendas now. You don't blend in anymore. This isn't a middle school dance. You stand out. You stand out for his purposes because you're, you're different, right? Flip back over to Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. It's just kind of amazing as you read through this text. Uh, I think the apostles are scared. You know what they're scared of? Being just like everyone else. They're scared of blending in. They're scared that the temptation here is not that they're going to forsake Christ. I think they move beyond that. I think the resurrection fixed that for them. Once you see the risen Christ, once you put your fingers in his nail wounds and you talk to him, you see him pass through locked doors. I'm pretty convinced, you know, this is, this is him. He really did die. I was there. I saw the grave. I saw him, the blood. He, he was dead. I watched his chest not rise anymore. <coughs> and then to see him resurrected again on Sunday, and then to talk to 
150 people who had seen him resurrected. And then he walks around and talks to people for like a month. He really is God. I think they're convinced of that by this point. So the temptation is not to forsake him. The temptation is to blend in. You, have you ever felt that temptation? I think, I think we all have, right? I think that if your righteousness is intact, you have felt that pull to blend in. Because people generally don't like people that stand out. And so I think most of, us, most of us have felt that pull to blend in. And I think that's what the apostles are going through here. They, they know they're not going to forsake them. They're concerned that they might not be as vocal as they need to be. That they might not live quite as righteously as they need to. Because that kind of righteousness, that kind of outspokenness draws attention to you. And you know what attention gets you? It gets you hurt. You got Jesus hurt, didn't it? He got him killed. And so I don't think that they're worried that they're going to forsake him. I think that they're worried that they're not going to shine as bright as they should. That they're not going to be as vocal as they should. And that is something that we struggle with too, isn't it? You're not going to forsake Christ, right? You're pretty well convinced too. You didn't see his resurrection, but you believe it, right? You've read the words of scripture. You've done the research. You know he, he really is God. He really will be coming back. There really will be a judgment day. Our big temptation is not to forsake him. It's to blend in. Right? In the hopes that when he comes back, we'll be able to sneak in. <laughs> we'll be able to sneak through judgment day, and that's just not how it's going to work. He says, you weren't called to, to that. You weren't called to blend in. You were called to be lights. You were called to stand out for his purposes, for his kingdom. So this is a lesson for all of us, but as the spiritual leaders of our family, dads, we set the tone for our family, don't we? And you're going to have to be comfortable standing out, being different, because you're not going to be the same as those around you. You don't hold those same values. You don't think that same way, do we? We are different. You're going to spend your, your money and your time differently. Yesterday, I meant to ask, but um, I hope I can share these stories. Yesterday, um, <coughs> a couple of us went door knocking. We're going to plan to do that uh, several times throughout the, throughout the year this year. Uh, and Marvin and Christy bought some, uh, some flyers with their own money, and they handed out 350 of those things yesterday. How are you spending your time and your money? Because that's different, Right? We spend our time and our money differently. We think differently. Um, Amber Payne's been spending the last several weeks building out a website for us. It looks awesome. You're going to get to see it soon, hopefully, in the next couple months. Um, it, it's great. We spend our time and our money differently. We focus on his kingdom. Um, Derek and Aaron Knapp have been having people over to their house. I mean, they've had more, more of you over to their house than I've had at my house. <laughs> in the last two months, they've done more than uh, hospitality stuff than we've done in four years. How are you spending your time and your money? It's something we need to think through. you got to value different things. Um, Friday night, 
Ken Dempsey and Lucy were baptized. If you haven't met them yet, they're over here and you should go meet them. But Ken kind of wanted to keep it a secret from his wife, Heather, because he wanted to surprise her. Isn't that awesome? I think it's fantastic. Most men buy their, I'm not saying you messed up here, Heather. Most men buy their, their wives' jewelry and stuff to surprise them. He gave her something much more precious, didn't he? We think and we act differently. We've got to. We don't, we don't hold the same things that they hold as precious. We don't hold the same things that the world holds as precious. We think and act differently. We're, we're, we're more. You think of uh, Mike Huron sending cards. If you've been sick any time in the last 40 years, I think Mike's probably sent you a card, right? Uh, maybe Miss Hilda's given you a call. Uh, there are so many of you that have done so many good things that show the transformation that God has done in you. If you regularly attend our service projects, you help clean up from the fellowship dinners, you teach in our Bible school program, you sacrifice your time and energies in other ways that build up the church, it's because you value God's kingdom instead of your own. Dads, that's something we're going to have to focus on. That's something every Christian's going to have to focus on is valuing his kingdom over our own. Look back in Acts chapter 3. Let's start in verse 11 this time. We're, we're going back in, in time right now, back to uh, when Peter and John healed this lame man, at least right after that, that episode. John, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse, or sorry, Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, that's the, uh, the lame man, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them. In the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us? As though by our own power or piety we have made this man walk. He goes on and he talks about Jesus, right? What's so interesting here is um, this guy, Peter, saw an opportunity. He saw a platform, Right? to make God more known to everyone else, and he took it. He's prayed for boldness, right? Or that's coming up. He's going to pray for boldness, but he's already this incredibly bold individual, and he's looking for opportunities to draw attention to God. And so what's he do? When he sees this opportunity, he jumps on it. Is it going to cost him? Yeah, it's going to cost him quite a bit. <coughs> If you were listening when uh, Jackson read uh, Acts chapter 4 earlier, because of what he says here, uh, he and John are going to get dragged in front of all the major players of his day. Um, the high priest is going to be there. His entire family is going to be there. And they're not happy with Peter and John and what they've been saying, what they've been teaching, this drawing attention to, to Christ. This is going to cost them. And Peter has to know that here when he says this. But he sees an opportunity, he sees a platform, and he takes the opportunity. If you're not looking for these opportunities, if you're not looking for these, these, these holes in which to insert Christ, you're not going to find them, right? They're just going to they're gonna sweep right past you. And the boldness that you should have had, the boldness that we all should have as Christians will be diminished, right? 
when we were in that mall in Scotland, uh, it wasn't hard getting people to come talk to us, but some of us kind of struggled with, what's my end? Like, how, how do I start this conversation? I'm not accustomed to this. And you know what happened? You started looking for opportunities, and guess what happened? They presented themselves. And you started finding ways, e- easy ways, to start inserting Christ into these conversations. And people would walk up to you, and like I said earlier, they would just kind of walk up to you and be like, so, so American, what are you doing here? Like, well, here's my platform, right? Well, I'm, I'm here talking uh, to people about Jesus because, you know, there's, there's congregation right on the road, and they want you to know him. And, and so let's sit down and let's, let's talk about it. Let's, here's a flyer for our gospel meeting that's coming up tonight. We'd love to have you come. It's just something so easy as that. But you look for these platforms and you find them. We just have to be ready to jump on those opportunities when they come, to jump on these platforms when they come so that we can shed more and more light on Christ. We have to be bold. That's something we lost during COVID, isn't it? And it's something that our culture tells us that we shouldn't be. You can be bold in sports, right? You can be the breakout sports star. You can be bold in your job. You can be climbing the corporate ladder. But if you're bold in your faith, nobody wants to hear that, do they? Mm. Our culture has moved in a direction that makes that difficult. We still have to do it. We're still called to it. I think back with COVID, we so focused on safety or or whatever we were focusing on, whatever you personally were focusing on back then. I think as a culture, we focused on keeping everyone safe that we forgot boldness. You, You kind of withdrew from people, didn't you? I did, right? Did you? I think a lot of us did. As you were physically separated from people, we spiritually pulled back from people too, didn't we? Because your relationships aren't as strong now. Or they weren't as strong, if you haven't done some work on them, they weren't as strong right after COVID as they were before, right? You started pulling back. We lost our boldness. It became harder to talk to people about Jesus, right? We got to find our boldness. Maybe we found it. Maybe this, maybe this is it. Maybe this is your opportunity to be bold, to move out uh, in boldness for Christ. Find those platforms. Dads, I think that's our platform as our family. It's one of them at least. To raise up the next generation of Christians who can evangelize a world after we're gone. We're raising the next generation of Christians. We have to look for these opportunities to be bold in their lives. Acts chapter 4, 1 through 7. Expect results. When, you, when you're bold, either as a dad or as a Christian in general, expect results with your boldness. <coughs> when Peter and John were bold, they got some results, didn't they? Some they wanted, some they didn't want. And the same is going to be true for you. Uh, when they were bold, what happened? They got dragged in front of the high priest and his family, and there were threats, and there was yelling, and there was an awful lot of fear mongering going on. Uh, in that room on that day, they were trying to quell, they were trying to dim Peter and John's 
liked their effectiveness for Christ. They weren't trying to necessarily make them forsake Christ. They were just trying to make them blend in. Blending in is the dangerous part. We can't blend in. We can't be chameleons. We stand out. So their boldness got them some consequences, didn't it? It got them some results, some negative results, but it also got them some positive results. Look what happens here in Acts chapter 7. Sorry, not Acts 7, Acts 4. I was looking at verse 7, sorry. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse... um, Skip on down to verse 23. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. 5,000 people have already been baptized into Christ. Um, and so when they are released from the, uh, the high priest and his family's threats, when Peter and John are released, they go and they tell the disciples what's going on. Listen to what the disciples say in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. When they tell them what happened. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign. Don't miss that word, Sovereign. He is completely in charge, 100% in charge. Even though things are not going their way, even though things are going poorly for them, and it's about to get worse, He is still Sovereign. They recognize that. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. They remember when David prophesied this exact, what they did to Jesus. (coughs) Four. In verse 27, for truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. They saw God's hand moving in all of this. They said, "You, you appointed Herod and Pontius Pilate to kill Jesus. We see you moving throughout all of this. Verse 29, and now, Lord, look upon their, their threats, the high priest and his family. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak with your word, to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders and are performed throughout the name, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So what happened because of Peter and John's boldness? Well, 5,000 people were baptized into Christ because of the disciples' boldness, but also the church is encouraged, isn't it? Because of their boldness. When you're bold, you expect to see results. Sometimes they're negative. Sometimes they're incredibly positive. As dads, as Christians, when we lead our families against this culture, in in grain with Christ, with his culture, with his values, with his morals, when we are lined up with him, we will be out of line with them. We will be out of line with the world when we're in line with him. We need to expect some results. We need to expect some negative results because your righteous life will indict those who are not righteous. But you also need to expect some positive results that people will see, those around you will see Christ in you 
And you know what happens when that happens? People come. People come to him. And the church is built up. So let's pray for boldness. Let's not pray for a change of our culture. Let's pray for to be bold in the middle of our culture so that we as dads can lead our families in righteousness and so that we as Christians can lead the charge against the kingdom of Satan. Let's be bold. Today, maybe you need to be baptized into Christ, having your sins washed away so that you can start being bold for him. Maybe you've already made that decision and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be bold, to be who God wants you to be, to stand out. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Chris, thanks for a great message. Uh, we have a busy week coming up of a lot of different activities for all age groups. Today at 5 p.m. there'll be a deacons meeting, and then after services this evening, the deacons and elders will meet together. This Tuesday, June 21st, the Young at Heart will be traveling to Gallipolis for lunch at Tuscany's, and they will meet at 10 a.m. Thursday, there'll be a kids service project They'll be fixing the mailbox out front of the building, and that'll uh, be at 10 a.m. And then Friday will be Movies Under the Stars, and they'll be watching All Creatures Big and Small, and that'll begin at 8.30 p.m. So invite your, your neighbors to that. And then Saturday, uh, this Saturday coming up, June 25th, will be the visit to the Ark Encounter. Uh, we encourage everybody to attend that, and uh, it's a great experience. And you can buy your tickets online, or you can actually get them there um, as well. There's no difference in price, and we'll be leaving the building at 8.30 a.m. for that. 
Next Sunday, they'll be bowling with the young kids, and this will be kindergarten through fifth grade, and they'll be uh, taking the bus to strike zone at 4 p.m., and next Sunday is also our potluck uh, right after uh, morning services, and there will also be a meeting for the upcoming disaster relief trip to uh, Waverly, Tennessee, which will be taking place July 17th through the 20th. And this is for both teens as well as adults. So if you're interested in that, stick around for the potluck after morning services next week and, and get some more information about that. And then finally, um, June 29th, and it'll be uh, about a week and a half uh, after our evening Bible study on Wednesday, we'll be having a family movie night. Uh, so I encourage you to, to attend uh, Bible study and stick around for that as well. So all of these, that's a, that's a lot of activities. All of them are listed in the, uh, the journal, so I encourage you to uh, pick one of those up, take a look at that, and, and just find an opportunity to, uh, to get plugged into to some of those activities and get involved. As far as the prayer list update, uh, continue to keep Myrta Calicoat, this is Beverly Edwards' great aunt, in your prayers if she's having some health issues. Uh, Jim Haney continues his chemotherapy, as well as Jennifer Baker. She had a uh, change in her treatment last week, and the, uh, the chemo is a little harsher, so let's keep her in our prayers. Sandy Galloway's surgery went well last week, and she uh, is recovering at home. Janie Judge, this is Chad's mother, uh, was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And uh, let's keep Kevin and Sheila Harvey and, and family in our prayers at this time. Their son-in-law's dad, Ed Drennan, uh, passed away unexpectedly. Uh, just uh, as you pick your Rome update, there's a complete list of, of all those um, in our prayers that need to be in our prayers as well as our shut-ins. So just, again, take a look at that. Make sure that we're praying for those this week. And that is all the uh, announcements that I have. We'll have one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing number 602 in the sweet by and by. We'll sing the first verse 1 and verse 3. And then Brother Chad Ward will have her have a prayer. There's a land that is never and one day we can see it afar for the Father is your to prepare
Let us pray. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the gift of this day. Father, this is your day, and this is Father's Day. Father, we ask your blessing upon each of us. We ask that our time here is, has been a benefit. Father, we ask that, that we can stand apart as we leave this place, that we can be a Christian light to those around us. Father, we're thankful for Chris's lesson. We ask your blessing upon each of those who have been mentioned this morning that are in need of your healing hand. Father, watch over them and bless them. Bless each of us as we leave this place that you will help us to, to remember while we're here. Father, and we're thankful for, most of all, the gift of your son. Father, forgive us when we sin. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah.